Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Anna David, and I am so glad you've stuck with me through some name changes and some things we don't need to talk about now because right now we are called Light Hustle Grit Out of the Dark. I'm pretty proud of that tagline. Took me some time to get there. So this is where I talk to people about how the role struggle plays in their success, the way the role dark plays in light. I am very excited about this week's guest. Um, I will admit I was slightly intimidated by him when we met, but now we refer clients to each other. See what can happen when you struggle through success. His name is Rory Vaden, and he is not only a New York Times bestselling author, um, and it's an, also the book is a number one Wall Street Journal, number one USA Today, number one Amazon, a, a number two New York Times bestseller. It's called Take the Stairs. It has uh, forever changed the way I look at uh, escalators. Um, he is also the co-founder of Brand Builders Group. Uh, they've worked with people like Lewis House, previous podcast guest, and Kevin Harrington. Um, he's a world-renowned keynote speaker. Um, he is... A, a really amazing guy who uh, talks in this interview about uh, being, you know, he was raised in trailer parks and moved around a lot. And how did he take that? Um, how, where did he find uh, his inspiration to keep trying? Um, he has so many amazing phrases that he knows, that he invented, that he says, that he shares um, with his clients and with you guys. And stick around to the end because he did something no guest has ever done, which is he gives you guys a special gift um, that you should absolutely take advantage of. So with that, I give you Rory Bates. Rory, as I told you before I was recording, you were a dream guest for this, and I'm so grateful to you for doing it. Wow, that is such a sweet thing to say. I don't know that I've been mentioned as a dream guest for anybody, but I'll take it. Well, hey, it could turn into a nightmare. Um, I doubt it, though. But but I, when I met you at Genius, um, you were sort of on my target list of, I want to meet this person. What he does is really interesting. And then you gave mm-hmm. a 10-minute talk that was fantastic. Then I read your book. Uh, take the stairs, which I just told you has changed my relationship with escalators forever. <laughs> yeah, it really has. And um, you've just had such an interesting career. And, uh, you know, so I want to talk about the struggles that have gotten you there and, um, and the success and how basically you are very open in your book about uh, struggles and it's sort of sharing your dark ex- times in order to find your light. Yeah. So let's start. You are entirely self-made and you started young. Let's talk about the journey, your entrepreneurial journey. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I actually don't even really believe in the term self-made because I think it's like the greatest travesty in the world is that there's one name on the cover of a book or one name on a Hall of Fame trophy. And the reality is there's dozens, if not hundreds of people that go behind supporting those things. But 
Um, in terms of where I started, I did grow up raised by a single mom. I, I was born in a trailer park. You know, we moved like 14 times when I was a kid. I went to all these different schools because we were bouncing around just, you know, from place to place. Um, and then my mom sold Mary Kay, like that was her side hustle when I was a kid. So I always tell people I know more about makeup than I do about cars because, you know, <laughs> I didn't have a dad when I was really young. And, um, you know, I think I kind of got that entrepreneurial bug. And then when I was in college, I actually had a full scholarship to the University of Denver, but it didn't cover like my room and board. And, you know, my family didn't have much money. So I had to make money and I got involved in a direct sales company and I went door to door for five years when I was in college. Um, then I left that, you know, I made like a quarter million dollars in five summers doing this. And then I left that business, you know, to pursue my dream always of wanting to be a speaker entered a contest called the world championship of public speaking. Cause I was like, you know, nobody's going to listen to me, but man, if I won the world championship, maybe that would be a thing. And so there's 25,000 people who compete. I made it to the top 10 and I lost. And then I went back the next year, made it again, studied harder, got more coaching. And then that was the year that I, I lost again, um, but I lost higher. I was I was the world champion first runner up. So I was second place in the world. Um, as I like to say, anybody can go there once and win. It takes a real man to go there twice and lose. <laughs> um, and I actually, you know, it's funny, a lot of people view that as a success, but for me, Anna, that was one of the biggest failures in my life. Um, that was one of the things that I, gave my entire life for two years. Like I spoke 304 times for free, invested tens of like, you know, over $10,000 into coaching and education. Um, I was in graduate school. Uh, so I was finishing my MBA and working a day, like day job and like, but everything else was doing this. And I came in second. Um, and I really was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, um, then we started a company. My, uh, my wife and a couple business partners started a company. We wanted to be the world's greatest sales training organization. We grew that to 200 people. It was an eight-figure business. And then my wife and I just exited that business last year. And we were out of sales training for a while. And so it was like, what are we going to do? And it was actually a pretty easy decision. It was, it was you know, I've been a speaker, author, influencer, social media, like, just into book publishing, book launches, building email lists my whole career. And we had never taught anyone how to do that. And so it was like, we're going to start a personal brand strategy company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that one of our very first clients was a guy named Lewis Howes, who a lot of people know. Um, Previous I, podcast guest, by the way. Yeah, well, there you go. And I, yeah. I, I, you know, Lewis and I had been buds. He had actually had me on his podcast, I think when my second book came out. And then I was sort of helping him a little bit with his book launch, just as pals. And then, you know, he got so big so fast, he was kind of looking for, you know, just some, some good, like, you know, support on long term. And we became really good friends. And, um, you know, then one thing led to the next. And anyway, so Brand Builders Group does personal brand strategy. So we are exclusively dedicated to helping people build and monetize their personal brand. That's what we do now. And what's exciting to me is 
Darren Prince, who is the man single-handedly responsible for me having a thriving publishing company, you are now working with him. So I don't know if you can talk about, like, I think that really helps for people to understand it, to break down, okay, so what does that mean on a practical level? What are you doing with people? Yeah. Well, the genesis of a personal brand is being able to answer one simple question. And most people cannot answer this question. And, And when we mean answer it, we mean one word. And here's the question, what problem do you solve? And it's crazy. You have professional talkers that are speakers and professional communicators who are writers who use words all the time and they cannot come up with the one word, which is the answer to the problem they solve. And the problem with that is that if you are not clear about what problem you solve, then your audience isn't either. And you get absorbed into the noise. You get swallowed into this sea of commodities, of people who do a bunch of stuff similar to what you do. And you are never the person on the thing. Um, And so, you know, the problem we solve is obscurity, which is to be unclear, untrusted, and or unknown. Um, And so a lot of authors, unfortunately, are starving. A lot of speakers are starving. And they sort of want to, you know, they they want people to know about their work, but they can't clearly communicate the problem they solve. And what they fail to understand is that most people don't pay for luxuries. The number one thing we pay for is solutions to problems. Um, you know, we, we when the water heater breaks, we find the money to fix it. When the when we get a flat tire, we find the money to fix it. When our kid's sick, we find the money to go to the doctor. You have to solve a problem, and you have to own a piece of a person's mind so that when they have that problem, they come to you. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying to do with personal branding. It's like if somebody, we want someone to go, oh, my friend said they want to write a book or they want to be a speaker or they want to be an influencer. Like anyone that they know that wants to build a personal brand, we got to call Rory. Like we got to call Brand Builders Group. And everything we do is about owning this one small space in people's minds. And, and that's what we teach, you know, a lot of our clients. We don't teach them. We help them discover it. We help them find what we say uh, was a, a piece of advice from one of my mentors, Larry Wingett. We help people find their uniqueness so they can exploit it in the service of others. And that this is so helpful because basically people listening can get a taste of this just by that one question. You've already helped me. Um, I can actually give you my one word. Okay. Credibility. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, go ahead. Well, that makes sense then that we would ha- have shared uh, clients. Yes, that's right. Now, and, and you have a very, you know, you have a, a, a more specific offering, uh, which is great because what we really do is we're like, you know, we do personal brand strategy. So we kind of play the role of what a CMO would be to a company. Mm-hmm. We play that role for an individual person. Um, so there's a lot of people who teach how to do webinars. There's a lot of people who teach how to do social media or email lists or marketing automation or do book launches or writing books or PR or blah, 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 blah. Um, what we do is we kind of go, how do you coordinate and organize all of that together to look at the, the, the whole, the brand overall and create a strategy. And then a lot of the execution. Um, so we do 
we provide all the execution, but a lot of the execution are pieces we work with people like you on a specific thing like writing the book, you know, or writing the, the actual content, whether it's like their newsletter or whatever. And we will work with partners to, to farm out that process. So we're good referral partners. You know, Darren is a great example, right? So Darren, you guys helped Darren with his book. Um, and then he's a classic example of, oh my gosh, I have this book. Now I'm getting invited to speak. But, how, you know, what am, I, what am I really doing with all this? And how am I monetizing it? And, how, you know, how does this fit into the grand scheme of everything I have going on? And so we kind of help people organize all of those things into a cohesive focus. Um, mm -hmm. And figure out, you know, how do I make money from all this and how does it all sort of fit together? Um, but yeah, our clients are your clients and vice versa. So it's not like a, it's not really a competing thing. No, it's very cohesive. Um, you know, what I want to go back to is this, you know, this, this audition for the number one speaker and how, um, mm. what do you think that is in you that said, I'm going to go back rather than, I didn't reach my goal. Forget this. Because that's what I think 99% of the people would do in that situation. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, that actually ties directly to one of the principles in my first book, Take the Stairs. Um, it's called the Perspective Principle of Faith. Um, and the idea there is that a lot of times people think of faith as like this sort of semi-passive thing, like you sit in a room and you have faith. But the way that we talk about it is that faith is demonstrated by obedience. It's you're taking action. And the fact that you're taking action is evidence that you believe that some outcome will result from the path that you are on. Now, that outcome, the outcome that we want doesn't always turn out. Well, the, the strategy here. Um, it with with this is you're you're choosing to trust that what is happening now is for a greater glo glory later on. That's what faith really is. So, to answer your question as it related to me personally, in 2006 when I made it to the world championship and lost, I knew I wasn't ready yet at that final level. My my, you had to have three speeches to to you know at all the different levels. And my third speech, I knew it wasn't ready yet. I like ran out of time. And so I, I knew I had more in me. Um, and so that's why I had to go back. But then sometimes people say, well, Rory, why didn't you go back? You know, you know, if you were so committed, then how come you didn't go back again after, you know, a third time? And the answer is, is very simple. In 2007, when I went back, I had a winning speech. My speech was good enough to win. Um, several people thought that I could have won. Um, I was the first of 10 speakers which is a tough slot to draw because you gotta, you know, you gotta hold the judges for three hours uh, and say, "Gosh, you know, that was still the number one." But it, it really didn't matter what the outcome was in terms of who won the trophy. What mattered was that I had given every single thing in my power to that goal. I had nothing left to give that I didn't give, and and the payoff of doing that is peace. Now you go, you might say, well, well, what payoff is that, Rory? You lost. Well, here's the payoff. The payoff is that if you give everything you have, you know, you take the stairs, which is a metaphor for doing things you don't want to do and being disciplined, which is what my first book was all about. My first book solved the problem of procrastination. That's what that book was. But if you, if you do everything in your power to achieve something and then it doesn't happen, you know 
or you can choose to believe that that is because God has a better plan for you. But if you don't do everything in your power and the thing doesn't happen, you don't know if that's because there's another plan in place or because of a more likely truth, which is that you didn't show up and do the work. You didn't put in the effort. Like you didn't hustle and you didn't fight and you didn't go after it. But when you do all those things, then you've taken all of those off the table and then you can have peace of going, okay, there must be something bigger and better for me. And in my case, looking back now, I can clearly see how there was because if I would have won the world championship, I probably would have become a speech coach, um, which would have been fine. But now we built a sales training company. You know, we had this eight figure business. We helped thousands of people. We'd launched New York Times bestselling books. And then we've exited that. And now we're into personal brand strategy, which is ironic because a lot of the speech coaching, you know, that's one subset that we do really, really well because of that background. Um, so we do more of that internally, whereas like the writing stuff we might farm out to somebody. But the it, it, it's that's just the thing is, is when you go all in, then you have no doubts or reservations at the end about what could happen. And the only choice is to say it wasn't meant to be because I did everything in my power. But if you don't do that, then, then you never really know, you know, what was meant to be and what wasn't. Well, a couple things. That's so well said. Here's the other thing. You do speeches now. I don't know if you're open to talking about how much you make per speech, but I bet you it's a pretty hefty amount. So sure. you did get the result also. Well, yeah, I, I didn't get the trophy, but I got the end result, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, what's you know, happening with that guy who's walking around with the trophy? Maybe not that much. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's like, and it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the message of the Take the Stairs book which can be boiled down into one sentence. This is actually another thing that we talk to people a lot about is that it's easy to write a book. It's easy to write a speech. It's very hard to boil a speech down to one sentence or to boil a book down to one sentence. Most people can't do that. But anyways, the message of take the stairs is do things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like doing it. That's the key to building discipline. And, and one of the key phrases or key words in that sentence in terms of successful people do the things they know they should be doing is that it's all about you. It doesn't, it's not in comparison to someone else, right? So whatever happened to the guy who came in first place or the third place, isn't the concern for me. It's, it's the things that I knew I should be doing. And in 2006, I knew there were still things I needed to do to, to reach that, you know, the maximum level there. I did those things that trophy didn't show up, but it was like that mission was complete and it was on to the next thing. Um, whether I was first or third or 10th or, you know, second or whatever. So it's, it's really about your listening to your internal voice of saying, I know there's, I know I'm capable of more and I know there's things that need to be done that I haven't yet done. There's work that needs to be done that I haven't yet done. And if you haven't, then get busy doing it, get busy taking the stairs. Um, if you have done everything in your power, this is another another way this shows up in life. Um, you know, people will often ask me like, hey, how do I know when I should give up on a dream or give up on a marriage or give up on a job? And it's super simple. Have you done everything in your power to make it work? Hmm. If you have, if you've done everything in your power, you've laid it on the line and you're in a marriage and it's like, 
You've tried to get counseling. You've owned your own crap. You've apologized. You've gotten rid of your anger. You, you've been sorry. Like you've tried to change. You've done all of these things and the other person still isn't responding. Hey, then maybe you need to look at it. But the reality is most of us don't. Most of us want to say, well, the other person this, the other person that, they this. And so you don't know if it's them or if it's you. And the reality is if you change yourself, usually the circumstances around you change much different. And so, you know, another way of thinking about it is like when you're climbing up the mountain, it's easy to go, this is too hard. I want to quit. And it's like, well, get to the top of the mountain, crush it where you're at, like in your job, make sure you're killing it at your job. And then when you're at the top of the mountain, you can decide, is this really where I want to be or not? But don't, do a half-assed mediocre job uh, of something and then go, you know what? I don't really like this. Well, of course you don't like it because you suck at it because you haven't, you haven't gone after it. You've got more inside of you and you're holding on to excuses as, as, as justification for not chasing down that dream or not chasing down that goal. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing. And so in our little world now, we specifically work with personal brands, right? Like that in before we used to work with salespeople and now it's just like, okay, I want someone who is dreaming about their book being in a, an airport bookstore. I want someone who's dreaming about standing on stage in front of the million dollar round table or the, or the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit, you know, in front of 10,000 people and dreaming of impacting people. Like that's the person I want. And we're going to push them. We're going to push them tactically. Like we're going to give them the, the plan, but we're going to push them emotionally. We're going to push them hard to see what they're capable of. Um, and strategically in terms of, you know, clarifying their, finding their uniqueness and clarifying their positioning. It's so great. I mean, and it's what you, it's clearly what you had to do to get to where you are, which is why you are good at doing it for other people, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, it's sort of like there are all these people who have business coaches and I just sort of go, well, does that coach do what you want? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't, then that's the wrong coach. I've had a few coaches and they don't Amen. have the career that I want. So why, that's why it didn't work. But this goes back to this idea of, and I talked to my boyfriend about this a lot because he left a town that a lot of people don't leave and the people mm -hmm. he grew up with are still there. A lot of them like doing construction and that kind of thing. So how, what was it in him that got him to come here and pursue his dreams? Like I'm imagining a lot of the people yeah. you grew up with are not in your situation. Was that true? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know because I'm not in touch with a lot of them. Uh, you know, I happen to know that my high school girlfriend went on to be, become like a, a division one, you know, uh, athletic champion and ran, you know, she's a runner, like ran for Nike and then, you know, qualified for the Olympics, I think. And then I kind of lost track, but. Well, you that, made a good choice back then. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you continue so, to because you and your and, wife work together and all of that. Yeah. My wife, my wife today is, is incredible. And, um, but, but, so anyways, I, I think the reality is I think many people have these moments of inspiration, right? Like they have this thought, just like I did, right? You go, I'd never heard of the World Championship of Public Speaking. And then one day someone told me about it and I was like, man, that would be amazing. Like that would give me the credibility at 22 years old I need to like launch my career. 
but 25,000 people from 90 countries, like what are the odds? And I think most people just talk themselves out of it before they ever get started. Um, you know, cause it's, it's scary, but it's, what's amazing to me is that even these massive dreams, I've had several of them. Like, you know, my first one was becoming a black belt and you know, that was like impossible. And then I did that when I was 10, then it was getting a full ride scholarship and being valedictorian. And I did that, although there were only 85 people in my class. So that wasn't like a big deal, but uh, the scholarship was a big deal. Then there was the world championship. Then there was the first time I wanted to be a New York times bestselling author. Uh, the first time I learned about, uh, the professional speaking hall of fame, um, I was just inducted into that like two weeks ago, which was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. But, but those, what, what those were, when I first had those thoughts, they were so huge and seemingly impossible. But as I walked down the path, what I realized is 90% of the people who never get to that goal, they never get past like the second step. So like, the huge fallout is that they never even get going. Um, you know, then there's like probably, you know, another 8% of people who do get going. They're kind of on the path. They're moving along and then they just give up at, you know, they just kind of give up at some point. Um, but it's like, if there's a hundred steps, 90% of the people, and there's a hundred people trying to go hundred steps, 90% of them give up before step three then eight, eight, the, of the remaining 10, eight of them, you know, give up somewhere along the, the way. And then it's really like this last two or three people that are, you know, make it to like step 85 and it's like a race to the, you know, it's a race to the finish. But you might think it's, it's one out of a hundred, but it's really not. It's more like one out of three <laughs> if you just commit to going the distance. Right. Right. That's so interesting. It kind of reminds me of when I, you know, I'm sober 18 years. And when I went to rehab, they said like, one of That's you so in this awesome. group are going to make it one out of 30 people sitting here. And, you know, I think everybody goes, well, I'm going to be that one. And at one point, at what point does that thought go away? And if that's really the difference, and it really does come back to taking the stairs, it really does come back to doing what you don't want to do. Yeah. Well, and we, at the risk of venturing here into a space that maybe I'm not qualified to teach on, you know, in terms of sobriety and stuff and, you know, kudos to you. And I love Darren, right? Like he's at 11 years plus, yep. um, you know, one of the things that we say and take the stairs, it's, it's probably the, the most popular catchphrase from that book is success is never owned. It's rented and the rent is due every day. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, as, as, as I, as it applies to sobriety, I wouldn't consider myself as ever have been an alcoholic, but I did drink uh, a lot. And at some point about three years ago, I just cold Turkey one day decided I'm done, um, with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had the thought to me, I had the thought I have more fun when I'm drunk than when I'm sober. And when I consciously had that thought, I was like, Whoa, 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 that's not good. Like, that's a bad, that's a bad trajectory. And so, you know, stop cold turkey one day. But I think uh, there's two things on this. Success is never owned and it is rent and the rent is due every day. That We call that the rent axiom. To me, some people that strikes them as bad news because it's like, oh my gosh, there's this finish line. I'm never going to get there. Like that seems so long away. But the reality is that's the most empowering truth of all because all that matters is today. Like it doesn't matter if you have been sober for 25 years 
All that matters is the decision you make today. It also doesn't matter if you've been an addict for 25 years. All that matters is the decision that you make today. So that should be both empowering and scary as hell at the same time. Right, right. right? Like we're all one day away from like, you know, going back to, you know, something we've been. But the good news is like, well, I only have to make the choice for today. And I know that it's always like one day at a time, which I think exactly. is I think is really powerful. I, I'll tell you this though. This is the part, and, and I may upset some people, um, and I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor on this, but the thing that bothers me about alcoholics and AA, there's one thing that I really, it always, it, I, it drives me nuts, is they say, I'm, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. And I know they've, they've had some tremendous success in, in stuff, um, which is, is not to be undermined. But if I were going to say one thing about it, is saying that I'm an alcoholic, to me, you're recreating the past and you're moving it into the future. It's like, I'm not an alcoholic. I used to be an alcoholic. Now, the, the fact is today, I have to make a decision not to drink, but I'm not an alcoholic. That is a piece of my identity that I left behind 18 years ago. That's a piece of my identity that I left behind in the past. That is not who I am. And I believe so much in the subconscious programming of that you become who you say you are. And the first 1,000 times I said, I'm a New York Times bestselling author, I did not believe it. But then I started to believe it a little bit. And then I started to meet some bestselling authors. And then I started to ask some questions. And then I started to see, wow, there's a path to doing this. And then you start to figure it out. But you become who you tell yourself to be. So, you, you know, you can say I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery, like those things. But it's like... I don't believe somebody is an alcoholic forever. I believe that we all, alcoholics or not, we are all at the risk of becoming an alcoholic. Everybody is. But if you're sober 18 years, you're not an alcoholic any more than I am, even though I've never been one. That is an identity that is in the past. It is gone. And who you were yesterday, yesterday has no freaking bearing on the decision you make today. The and, and just because you've never been an alcoholic doesn't mean you're free from the risk. All that matters is the decision you make today and you can make those decisions as a powerful person. And it's like, you're not an alcoholic. You're a powerful person who's becoming better and better. Your best years are ahead. Your best choices are ahead. Your best, your best decisions are ahead. And so the, the person you, you are the powerful person of the future. You're not the, the prisoner of the past. Um, Anyways, that's a, that's a little bit of a rant that I've never really been able to go on because no one's ever opened the door like that for me. And I just, you know. Well, I'll tell you what you don't know is that that is a rant that has happened on this podcast so many times because it's been around for four years talking about recovery for a lot of that time. This is all I'm going to say. I do not define alcoholism as a, a drinking habit. To me, alcoholism and addiction, because I use those words, you know, interchangeably, Mm -hmm. um, is about a way of thinking. And that way of thinking is this, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about, or I'm that piece of crap in the center of the universe. Like these, I did not make these up. I heard these, these phrases yeah. in meetings. When I first got sober, I related to those so much, this chronic self-obsession and self-hatred. And as the sober years have passed, and as I've gotten more deeply on my spiritual path, as a result of that, I don't really relate to that so much. 
but I still have those grooves in my brain. And that is why I'm completely comfortable still calling myself, I'm an alcoholic who doesn't drink. I'm an alcoholic who hasn't had a drink in over 18 years, but I don't have, I, and I believe in NLP and, and abundant mentality and all of those things. But to me, the way I define alcoholism, it does not hold me back to define myself that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, what, whatever your view is, you know, like whatever, whatever works for you. But so for me personally, um, you know, that's really all I can share is it's interesting, you know, uh, because I, I did spend the first part of my career talking a lot about discipline, right? Self-discipline was what I studied for years. Like a lot of people think not drinking is, a, it's like a matter of willpower, right? Like, and, and willpower is interesting to me. Willpower fails. Cause it's like, what that is, is saying, really, I want a drink or really, really, I want to eat fast food, but I'm convincing myself, like I'm, I'm saying, I'm not going to allow myself to do it. What really changed for me was re hard, re like changing my hard drive. Yeah. And, and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, I really want alcohol and I'm not allowing myself to have it. It was when I rechanged my programming, I had hung around like a couple of Navy SEALs and they never drank. And I was like, why don't you ever drink? And they said, they said things like this. They said, alcohol makes my body soft. Alcohol makes me at risk of attack. Alcohol increases my caloric intake. Alcohol increases my risk of a DUI. Alcohol increases the likelihood I'll make a poor decision. Alcohol, alcohol slows me down. Alcohol makes me soft. And I created those, I captured all of those into a list of affirmations and I read them. And at first you go, well, isn't that fake? Like, isn't that, that's not really how you feel. But actually those were all things that were true. Alcohol makes me sick. Alcohol makes me hungover. The thing is, up until that time where I consciously started to focus on those, I consciously thought of alcohol as, ooh, it's fun. It helps me relax. It helps me relieve stress. And those things were in my subconscious. But as I brought those into the conscious and focused more on those, it shifted from, I really want alcohol, but I won't allow myself to have it, to a permanent change, which was, I don't like alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's not something I'm denying myself of. It's something I don't want just like, you know, I don't want to go live in a different city. Um, and, and, and so a permanent, permanent changes in our behavior have to be reinforced by permanent changes in our thinking. Yep. And you can rewrite, you know, you can rewrite the thinking. So anyways, this is the bit off, off the, the, the path of personal branding, but. But so on the path of this podcast, we're heading off. <laughs> and, and, and yes, I completely believe in all of that. And I always do say to people, and I promise this is the last thing about recovery, but like, is like, if I wanted to drink, I'd probably drink. And you should see my willpower, you know, see me, the powerlessness I have in front of a brownie. I have none. It's not about that. I have <laughs> no interest in it. None. Um, but okay, we have to get towards wrapping up. So this is the lightning round. This is where you just answer okay. quickly the first thing that comes to mind. What is your morning routine? Oh, so that's easy. First thing, alarm goes off. Gratitude. Next thing, first thing I read is the Bible, one scripture of the Bible. Then I read affirmations for the day. Uh, nowadays, I have a toddler and a two-month-old. So by that point, I'm usually rushing off to like get them. But um, you know, typically, I'll try to do exercise. And it's like, if I can do gratitude, I can do scripture, I can do affirmations and goals, I can, I can well, work out. If I can do those things, like that's going to be an awesome day. Like I've already won before the day starts. Perfect. Uh, what is a book that has changed your life? 
Oh my gosh. There's so freaking many. Um, uh, I mean, number one is the Bible. Like, even if you're not a believer, like the book has so much practical applications. That's huge. Um, Dave Ramsey's total money makeover massively changed my life with money. Um, how I should to win mention friends. he blurbs your book as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've gotten to know each other a bit over the years and, and that's been really awesome. But I first and foremost was a student of his, mm-hmm. um, secrets of the millionaire mind by T Harbecker was another book about money that changed my life, how to win friends and influence people radically changed the way I look at the world. The, yeah, those are, those, that's more than one. So that's okay. a Perfect. Everyone always gives more than one. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? Yeah. Well, it's funny not to quote myself, but success is never owned. It's rented and the rent is due every day has become like such a mantra for like our life and just, you know, what we do and, you know, the celebrities that we work with that are like Lewis Howes or, you know, Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank is another one that, that, you know, we've done some work with. It's just like, I don't care how big of a personal brand you had yesterday. All that matters is what you show up and how you perform like today or the next time on stage or the next video you make. So that's, that's, you know, that's become like a life mantra. Love it. I love it. I might steal it. I will always quote you. Um, have you had a mentor? Tons of mentors. Um, you know, I mentioned Larry Wingett, that quote from him, find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others has had a huge impact on our current business. I've, I've been mentored by tons and tons of people, all different areas, but you know, Larry would be one that's affecting our present day business. Perfect. Now this might be hard for you to answer because it's probably quite extreme spiritual practice. I mean, if you had to get it down to one thing, what is your spiritual practice? Well, I mean, if it's one thing, I think it's being in scripture every day. Um, but to me, you know, a a, a relationship with God to me is a two way street. When you read the Bible, he talks to you. When you pray, you talk to God. And when you read the Bible, he talks to you. Um, and I, so I think that's, you know, that's been super key. A close second would be just going to church. And, And here's what I would say, you know, not even take out the preachy, like God part of it. What I have noticed without fail in my life, every time I am extremely stressed out or unhappy or frustrated, one of two things is, is, is out of place. I either haven't been working out or I haven't been going to church. Without fail, 100% of the time in my life I am stressed, one of those two things, often both, have fallen by the wayside. So if those two things are in place, like everything else seems to kind of work out. Mm, so to speak, work out. Uh, best quality. <laughs> uh, best quality that like I look for? No, that you have. Oh, uh, I would say that my calves are the skinniest calves in the history of all humans that have ever walked the earth. No, um, that is true story. The, when I have great, I have great hair, which you can't see because this is on audio, but but I can see it. Um, I'll tell you the great, probably the best quality I have, I think, is I, I am an insatiable learner. I'm always a learner first and a teacher second, but I'll tell you the, the habit, the, the, the best trait I, I wish I had more of was just a genuine heart of service. Um, and I've really been trying to develop that over the last few years. And I think the remainder of my life will, will hopefully be much more just genuinely in the service of others. Great. And um, how do you define dark emotionally? Yeah, I think uh, um, I would say that 
your creativity working in the wrong direction. I, I, I think you, the human mind is, is a powerful tool. It's just a tool. You, it, your brain is happy to do whatever you tell it to do. If you tell it to think positive thoughts and find solutions, it'll think positive thoughts and find solutions. If you allow it to think negative thoughts and find excuses, it will think negative thoughts and find a solution. You got to remember the human brain is not designed for success. It's designed for safety. So it's going to pull you in the direction of what is most comfortable, what is most um, uh, you know, convenient, um, what is safest, what is most usual, which is usually the opposite of how one becomes successful. So if you have a dark mind, you, it's not because your brain is messed up. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because you've been lazy about controlling your mind. Uh, you are in control and you need to dictate and tell your, allow your, tell your mind what it's allowed to think and not to think. I love it. And finally, how do you define light? Oh gosh, what a great question. Um, to me, I would say light is inspiration, which is, uh, the biblical definition of inspiration means to breathe life into. So anything that breathes life into you, I would consider as, as light, you know, and, uh, you know, the scripture would say the way that God created man, he picked up dust and breathed life into us. So I think of that as, as light is breathing life into you. I love it. I love it. Well, this is, we have reached the end. This has been so amazing. And even more amazing, you told me before we started, you were giving listeners a gift. Please explain. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, we, we talked a little bit here about personal branding and, you know, how to find the problem you solve and, and find your uniqueness. You know, the other thing that we do a lot is we help people determine what we call their primary business model. So to how are they going to actually monetize beyond just maybe a book or just a keynote? Like, how do you actually make a business out of your personal brand? Um, all of these things. And, you know, how do you organize the social media and the PR and the funnels and the emails and uh, all that together. And so one of the things we'd love to do for your listeners is give them a free strategy call. That like, is so cool. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you either have a personal brand and you're wanting to take it to the next level, or you've thought about doing one, or, you know, you've ever said, Hey, maybe I want to be an author or a speaker, or whatever. Um, if you go to brandbuildersgroup.com slash light hustle. So L I G H T uh, hustle H U S T L E. So we'll do that. You know, we'll track just this group specifically, um, for your listeners, brandbuildersgroup.com slash light hustle. I'm happy to connect you with one of our strategists. They'll do the first call for free just to like learn about your vision and, you know, uh, hopefully we can help you out and, and, you know, maybe there's a chance we can work together longer term. If not, you know, hopefully it'll be a valuable hour and then, uh, you know, we'll encourage you in your journey. That is so cool. And um, you guys, if you're driving, don't crash. Just listen to this later. <laughs> but again, it was brandbuilders.com slash light hustle. And you know uh, the name of the podcast. Uh, brand, oh. Brandbuildersgroup.com slash to me. light hustle. Listen right. to Rory. Brandbuildersgroup.com slash light hustle. We're working on getting the other one, but we don't have that URL yet. So don't go there yet, guys. Um, Rory, thank you so, so much. You guys, thank you for listening. And if you like this podcast, which I hope you do, please throw a review up there. That would be so nice. I'll see you next time. <laughs>